We are going to finish up uh, Romans 8, and then uh, and then we'll go ahead and dive into 9. But before we get started again, we thank all those that are here. Uh, we know there's quite a few brave deployments this evening, and we're thankful for that. Um, we're also thankful we just got done with the youth Bible study, and so we thank God for, for those who we're praying that God will continue to move through our youth department, our young adults, uh, and young people as well. Mm-hmm. We're just thankful for those that are here, and we're thankful for those that join us by way on Facebook and today. Let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll dive right into this. God, again, we just thank you. We thank you for the opportunity to study. And so even now, Father God, we will make this prayer. We're too weak to do this on our own. God, we're just praying for those of us here today. You lead us through this one. Through your spirit, Father God, shine upon us. We can study it. Lean from it, Father God, and let it be through us. So again, we thank all those that have joined us. We love you, pray right now. We want to be in strength right now. In the sunset, we ask all these things. Okay, so uh, again, we're going to finish up with, with Romans 8, and you know, the Romans 8 was one that, uh, uh, you know, you've got some familiar passages uh, in there. Uh, we talked about what, free from indwelling sin, sonship through the Spirit, uh, from suffering to glory, and then uh, we're going to finish up with God's everlasting love. So that's what we'll finish up with today. Um, but, you know, a lot of a lot of nuggets, if you will, from Romans 8. And I'm trying to do a better job of not going as much, but I'm not wanting to stay still. Um, uh, we talked about freedom, uh, freedom from judgment. Uh, we talked about freedom uh, from defeat, all right? And then freedom uh, from discouragement. And so now look, let's go ahead and finish up. The last whole portion is freedom from fear. Last portion, freedom from fear. No separation. That's Romans 8, 31 through 39. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all. How shall he, not with him also, freely give us all things? All right, so let's kind, of, let's kind of look at this again. Paul Paul loves to throw questions out there, right? He already knows the answer. Mm-hmm. That's kind of Paul's style, right? He tries to anticipate the questions that the enemy would have, or not necessarily the enemy all the time, but even those believers that may be laboring. All right, and so Paul throws this out there um, almost in a formal fashion, somewhat, uh, but but it does it does uh, uh, allow for an answer. What then should we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? All right? We're going to get a list of all the stuff, a lot of stuff out there that we think is against us. Um, but what can be against us if God is for us? The answer, right? But do we always believe that? Do we always move in that fashion? I mean, it's, 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 it's easier said than done, right? Especially when you're in the midst of suffering. Especially when you're in the midst of struggle. Right, it's, it's hard to it's hard to think, you know, especially when it looks like you're getting ready to drain. But, but, but Paul is, is quite clear: there's nothing, there's nothing that can overcome you when again we're in Christ. That's the key, right? If we're on our own, there's a lot to get us. But if we're in Christ, right? Nothing can separate us. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns it? It's Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Alright? So let's let's kind of look at some of these bullets and we'll, and we'll uh, spend another couple minutes and get into tonight. We have security in the love of Christ as believers and there is no separation. One, God is for us. Right? Two, Romans 30, Romans 8.32, God died for us. Right? God gave his best while we were still sinners. Alright, so think about that. Paul's not just throwing that out there for anything. He's saying, 
if God gave you the best he could give you while you were still sinning, what in the world would he give you now? Or what would he set up for you now, now that you're healed? All right? God deals with us in his grace, not the law. We talked about that. Romans 8.33, God is justified. We are declared righteous as God's elect. We've already talked about it. Justification brings peace to our hearts. All right? Christ intercedes for us. God for us. Justified. Justified. Now he intercedes on our behalf. We talked about it last week. We really have a dual intercession, right? You have the son. Who's my Bible school? It's the son can wear right now. Where's the son? Where's Jesus at now? Yeah, well, what? Intercedes. And the Spirit itself intercedes on our behalf, right? Who here can go to God by the, on, their, on their own? No. Oh. <laughs> on their own. Who can go to God? Who can go to God without Christ? We put it that way. Yeah, we're the priesthood of all believers. You don't need a priest to intercede, but you need Christ before God. Yeah. We're on the same page. Yeah, we're on the same page. Uh, the Savior died for us and now sits in the glory interceding. As our advocate, he forgives us and restores our fellowship with God. We are saved by his death and his life. We talked about that in, in death, right? Uh, Christ loves us, so he intercedes for us, and then he also loves us. 35 through 39. Let's look at that real quick. And this will this will. Bring this to the end. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, I'm going to the New King James Version, uh, persecution, famine, nakedness, apparel, or sword. As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Where did that come from? We're accounted as sheep for the slaughter. What does the Bible say? Uh -huh. Psalms 40. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yet in all these things we are more than what? Conquerors to him who loved us. Does anybody have a different version for 37? But in all these things we are overwhelmed with. We overwhelmed with conquerors to him who loved us. I like that version. What is that? Uh, is that LT? For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Is there anything left? Anybody, anybody got a problem right here that's not been listed right here. Let's go ahead and hear This is everything right here. Right? And, and when you kind of break it down and look at it, who was the one that actually had to go up against all this and conquer it? Jesus. Alright? The Paul's of Jesus. Don't miss it. Don't miss what he's doing. But now we're in who? We're in Christ. He's already conquered. Yeah. So look, I didn't conquer death by, by myself, but because I'm in Jesus, I've conquered. So now, Death doesn't even scare me. I know death's an enemy, but I know death is merely, merely a what? It's merely a gateway. Mm -hmm. <laughs> all these principalities and all this stuff, we can, we can go down and, and, and look at all of them. And, and, and we, can all, we all got four or five stories about how this bothered me at one time and how this bothered me. But all you got to know is that no, no, we are literally more than conquerors. It's one thing to be a conqueror. It's another thing when you're a super conqueror. Through Christ, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So can we fail God? Paul outlines that nothing can separate us from the love of God. We are not sheltered from the trial. We talked about that, right? You don't get an opportunity to walk through the same without without having some problems because they provide the spiritual growth. You understand that. We endure trial for his sake, and he's close to us through those times. We are given the power to conquer, and we are really super conquerors if you're looking at that through Christ. Christ gives us the victory because, again, we have his righteousness. 
right? Okay. Any questions on that last portion of Romans 8? Everybody feel pretty good? Mm -hmm. All right. All right. Let's, let's go ahead and dive into, into Romans 9 then. So we, we've looked at it for the last couple of weeks. We were looking at what? Look in front of your, front of your um, eight seven. Sanctification, right? Alright? We're looking at the sanctification process. Now, out of nowhere, we're getting ready to jump into nine. And I said, I think I said it this week, or this past sermon, but you've got now, what, three chapters? Nine, ten, and eleven. Where it almost seems like Paul. It's almost like whoever put the Bible together, they just they put this in the wrong place. All right, you can almost if you if you're looking at it from a, a human perspective, if you go look at twelve, twelve almost fits in right with eight. So it's almost like nine, ten, and eleven is just thrown in there out of nowhere. So we're going to see where this fits. All right, because now for these next three weeks or three lessons, if you will, nine, ten, eleven, or three chapters, I don't know how many it's going to take. 9, 10, 11, Paul turns his attention to Israel. I know it. It appears to be nowhere. So we're going to see where this where this plugs right in. Okay? So let's let's look at let's look at 9 real quick and, and uh, not real quick, but we'll, we'll do the best we can with it and whatever's left on the table. That's okay. There's no need for us to rush. But now if you if you're looking at one word to, to kind of encompass um, the next couple of weeks is going to be sovereignty. All right, and when we think of sovereignty, what do you what do you think of when you think of sovereignty? Yeah, it's sovereignty. That means someone is uh, something in and of itself, right? Yeah. Anybody here sovereign? <laughs> well, and, and and you do have it. Uh, we use the word in uh, in some uh, legal sense. We you know. Can use some of those terms. Um, yeah, yeah, there, there are some legal terms. When you're talking about um, sovereign will and all that, none of us, uh, we don't have that attribute. We know there's some attributes that we share that God shares with us, right? Sovereignty's not one of them. Okay? Okay, okay. So we're going to, we're going to look at sovereignty uh, today, this, this idea of, of sovereignty. And so the, the question that we're we're doing, I, I think it's a good question. Uh, the one that he likes he wants to go with is did God make a mistake? All right, so we're talking about all this. We're talking about God's love and his holding power and his ability to, to uh, hold us even in the midst of trials and tribulations and struggles. And and he just left saying uh, nothing separates us, right? We're 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 high-fiving, we're excited, we're rejoicing coming out of eight. Now we're gonna look at nine and he's gonna deal with the Israel nation. When we look at the Israel nation, in fact, when, when Paul pins his letter, excuse me, <coughs> the church is really made up of what? Is it all is it all Jewish descent? No. In fact, you start seeing a turn, you see a turning, right? It's a whole lot of Gentiles. And so then if you're looking at this and, 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 and you're studying the Old Testament and you're reading this when God preserved the Israel nation. And in Israel is the is the chosen nation and, and all this. And then you look at it, you're looking, you're sitting in church, and you've got next to you all these Gentiles, all these non-Jews. And then you go talk to some of your Jewish friends, and they do what? In this time, in this era right here. Turn what did they do to the Messiah? Turn the government up. Yeah. They didn't even believe them. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, look. Let, let, let's see. They were yelling out. Who was that? Pilate? He yelled. He yelled. And this was the Jewish audience. He said, uh, he said, you got Barabbas. Right? We can give you Barabbas right now. Somebody's going to have to die. You got this Jesus guy. I, I've done what? I've interviewed him. I don't see anything wrong with him. So they, they, they literally had an outright thing. What'd they say? They said, no, nah, don't give us. <laughs> they said, free Barabbas. Give us, yes, we'll, we'll kill Jesus. And so that is, quote unquote, the chosen people that have done this. All right? Now, we, we understand from a theological standpoint, we all we all were responsible for him on that cross. We understand that, right? 
Don't, don't go get mad at, at who you think of the truth. We're all, we've all stand and fall short. Alright? And we understand that we did come, that, that, that God, and we talked about this at the beginning of, of, of the study, we understand that, that the, uh, the Jewish nation was privy. They got the covenant, they got the law. Right? They were privy to some stuff that, that others were not. Alright? So, the, the obvious question is, you just talked about how nothing can separate us, but then hold on, what about you? What about the Jewish nation? You're talking about nothing. Nothing can separate us. I've got a lot of Jewish friends, they don't believe in you. So the question is, did God make a mistake? All right, so that's what we're going to deal with for the next three, the next three chapters. How then, the, all Paul's talking about in the first eight chapters, how does that now, um, how do we plug that in? Toward the Israel nation today. Now I've said it before, but even in as we move forward, the Israel nation will always have a special place. You got a problem with that, and you got a problem with scripture. Alright? So so when we look at nine, it's going to deal with Israel's past election. Alright? We look at ten, it's going to deal with Israel's present rejection. And then chapter eleven is going to deal with Israel's future restoration. Okay? Alright, who is, um, when you talk about Paul, if there's anybody who, who is of Jewish descent and, 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 and a study under the Old Testament, the Old Law and all that, and understands what it means to reject uh, Jesus in Christianity, who, who's one of us that can do that? Paul. Yeah. Yeah, he knows. He knows. He, he knows this. At one time, Paul rejected the followers, right? Those of the way. He rejected to the point, but it's one thing not to go to church. It's another thing to actively be mad at folks that are following, right? Paul did what? Paul was putting people in jail. Yeah. 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 If Paul was going hard, Paul did, who was that? Stephen. Stephen. Yeah, Stephen. Look, he said, I hold your coat. I want you to get a good shot at him when you're throwing that stone. I want you, I don't want your tunic. I don't want your, your rope to get in the way. Let's take that off so you can, you know, get that curve, that nice curve ball into the table. That was Paul. So Paul was right and realized that many considered him an enemy of his people. So now, let's take a look at it, right? If you look at Acts, somebody pull Acts 23 and 20. And again, even um, now even when they were talking about during Paul's conversion, and uh, who was that that, that went out that uh, got the instructions from God to, to go get him? Oh, and Cornelius, that one too. Who was that? And he, and, and he questioned him when he got the instructions. That's an act. It's slipping me right now. It wasn't Cornelius, but... Uh, oh, Ananias. Oh, Ananias. It was Ananias. Yeah. But when, when Ananias got the direction from God to go get Paul, you said, he said, hold on. I heard about Paul. Are you sure that's the one that you want me to go get? Yeah, so Paul had a reputation, right? Read Acts 23 and 12. Somebody who's got that read. When it was they, the Jews joined the conspiracy and bound themselves out of them, saying that they were going to eat and drink until they had killed Paul. Yeah. So now you've got the, you've got the scripture. He was our leader. He was leading this effort. Now he's talking about he's up the way. And so now they flipped it where they. They despise him so much they want what? Yeah. Uh, we, we realize that he missed the Gentiles and top three of the law. We, we talked about that. So again, was God failing in keeping his promise to Israel? That's that's really um, the overarching theme for, for nine. Really nine, ten, and eleven. And then in nine, we're gonna deal with, with a couple things um, where he defends the character of God. By showing that Israel's past history actually magnified the attributes of God. Alright, so we're going to look at the faithfulness of God, we're going to look at the righteousness of God, we're going to look at the justice of God, and we're going to look at the grace of God. Alright, and again, what Paul did, Paul is going to take these attributes to really show the readers and show us today that through those attributes, he has kept his promise. He has kept it. 
So let's look at this. God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness. That's Romans 9, 1 through 13. Let's, let's kind of break this up a little bit. The first part says, I tell the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertain the adoption. Alright, again, I, I said they were set apart, so let's look at this. The Israelites pertain, they have the adoption, they have the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises. Of whom are the fathers, and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all, the eternally blessed God. Amen. Alright? So let's, let's, let's kind of break this down, because I can, I can read it kind of weird if you're looking at it for the first, first time or so. We already talked about it. Paul understood their stance toward Christ. He had already been there before. Alright? We talked about how we were, left, were leaving Abraham and we were rejoicing in Abraham. And now we're coming to a point. I mean, Paul is what? He's sorrowful. Alright? It, it, seems, it seems like you got such a, 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 a change, a quick change right here. Alright? But look in, in 9 3. Look at the love that Paul has for who? His brother. What does he what what does he uh, what does he say? What does it appear that he bargains with God with? I'd rather die yeah. in the place of them. Than watch them fall in the hole. Yeah. yeah. Think about that love. Look, that's like me saying, Lord, take me. If, if there's one in Cedar Top and they want to make it, take me right now. I don't know if you were catching on a good Sunday. Good, yeah. <laughs> I mean, a great Sunday. <laughs> I don't need to say that. Paul says, Paul says, what's that? Yes, maybe that's a good verse, but I'm going to be honest with you. And I could have gave you the, 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 the answer that you wanted to hear. <laughs> but honestly, but in, but in all seriousness, Paul says, I, I'd rather you take away my, my, my sure footing in glory. If it means keeping my people in town. That's, that's a lot of thing. Look, Moses did a similar thing. Um, look in Exodus 32, 31 through 32. Exodus 32, 31 through 32. Now, let me, while you're doing that, let me, let me, uh, let me pull out a theological point. Can Paul make that request? It, it, can that happen? Now we've been studying now. We've been going for eight chapters. Can Paul says now, God, I tell you what, I like these people over here. Take me out. I'm part of your elected. Take me out of the elected and make sure they stay in. Can you do that? You can't do it. Right? Right? Am I correct in saying that? Look, John, all these, that's John, right? All these that I, I have kept, say them. Mm -hmm. Right? Once, once you're part of the elect, you're part of the elect. Mm -hmm. Nothing can snatch you out of that. Even a request like this. And so we understand that Paul, Paul was not saying, I, I know I'm going to be part of the elect. What he's merely doing is he's trying to show a picture of his love for the Israel nation. Again, he understands that they want to do what? He's ready. They want to kill him. He's saying, you want to kill me, and I'm over here trying to give you the word, the word right here, the word of truth, and you're trying to kill me. He's trying to be saying, I love you so much that if I could, I'd come on out and let you go. Theologically, it can't happen. All right? Okay. Who has the, who has the Exodus, Exodus account? 32, 31 to 32. So Moses does the same thing here before, right? Again, cannot happen. And that's the love that, and those folks had just messed up, right? Mm -hmm. They had just messed up. Idolatry, all that mess. And, 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 and 
And he said, don't, don't kill them. Don't wipe them out. Now, God does have a judgment. They ended up killing how many? Who's my Bible student? Three, I think. He ends up killing some, but he doesn't wipe them all out. No. Say it again. Was it three? It was large. Is it 30? Is it three? It's not the entire nation. No. Look at it. It's in there. Well, I tell you what, somebody will we'll come back next week. See how many, and, and even when you look at that, you're saying, wow. I mean, you could have spared a whole lot more than that. No, he could have taken out everybody. He could have taken out everybody. Right. So again, the love of Paul in verse 9 and 3. See God's election of Israel and the blessings of their election, right? We talked about that. Again, if you don't believe that Israel is a chosen nation, you're going to have a problem reading Scripture, right? Look at the blessings. This is the Israelites, to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of the God, and the promises, of whom are the Father, from whom according to the flesh Christ came, who is over all the eternally blessed God. Amen. Israel was adopted by God uh, by his own. They were given his glory in the tabernacle, right? And in the temple. God gave them his covenants and the law to govern their lives. And guaranteed blessing that if they obey, right? And all this was done for what reason? For Jesus to come from him. Right? So so when so whenever you um, you know hear this hear this thing that the, the Jews are a cursed people or whatever, and, and we understand, you know, in history, in recent history, really, World War II was what? What year is World War II? 
it can give up the blessed. Alright? And what's the example that he uses? You have a natural seed of Abraham, and then you have the spiritual seed. Right? You literally give me Abraham's sons. We talked about this in Sunday school. Who are they? Ishmael. Ishmael. And who was who was the spiritual one? Who was the spiritual child? Isaac. Isaac. And what was Ishmael? He wasn't flesh. He was flesh. He was flesh. And the promise went to who? Isaac. Saying, showing that you can be of Jewish descent and not be the chosen, not be of the fold. If you will. That makes sense? Makes sense. So they're saying, well, how in the world, if you're, if you're talking about Israel, how in the world can you lose Israel? Not everybody who's an Israelite is an Israelite. There you go. Not everybody who walks into Cedar Top is of Cedar Top. That's you right. may be a Cedar Top member. Let me see that. They left you because they were not part of yeah. He said they left you because they were never part of they got everything right. They sang. Solo sounded good. They might even preach a little bit. They were never up. Satan's counter. Amen. Satan's counter. Yeah, very, yeah, very. Well, see, again, the difference between the natural seed of Abraham and the actual spiritual children. We talked about that. We, we spent about two, three weeks on that, right? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Ishmael again, the firstborn should have been. And and when you look at it on paper from a man's uh, standard, right? Ishmael is Abraham's firstborn. He should have been chosen, point blank. Alright? Same thing with. With David, right? The selection of the kings. The king or the king for, for Israel, right? Should have right. gone to the oldest. The oldest son. How in the world could it go to God doesn't deal. He doesn't deal with the physical attributes of the Isaac and Rebecca had two sons, right? Esau should have been the one chosen. He was not. Who was chosen? So God's election. Is based on his sovereign will. There goes that, there goes that term again. It is not of human merit. Right? 11 through 13. For the children not yet being born, nor having done any good or evil, but the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him who calls. It was said, him is capitalized, right? It's God. It was said to her, the older shall serve the younger, and it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have, I have hated. Alright? So again, I mean, don't get caught up there. We're going to deal with that a little bit. But really what we're talking about, we're talking about God's elect. God's sovereign will to do with his people that he chooses. There's some stuff, and we can we can sit down, and, and I love studying this, and study some stuff. At some point, there has to be a belief to this. And some stuff you have to just be able to believe along. Mm-hmm. If, if, look, if you've got a preacher that has an answer for every single thing, you better, you better get away from it. Yeah. There's, there, there, there's some stuff, there's some stuff that I, look, I try my best. There's some stuff that I, I, don't, I don't get on. Don't. That doesn't mean that I didn't study. That doesn't mean the Lord hands on. There's some stuff in this. When you talk about election, and I preached on this Sunday, there's grace in the fact that we've been picked. <laughs> and you think about that. You think about what some of us have done just this past week. Don't tell me that you understand every bit of every piece of election. You don't. But you thank God. If you thank God, I like how weird you did it. Some of us were molded to be Moses. Some of us were molded to be a Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. Thank God that you were molded. 
Malachi, Malachi one. 1, 2, and 3. Does somebody have that? Pull that real quick. Malachi 1, 2, and 3. 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 Malachi 1,
I have loved you, he says the Lord. Yet you say, in what way have you loved us? Is not Esau Jacob's brother, says the Lord? Yet Jacob I have loved. But Esau I have hated, and laid waste his mountains and his heritage for the jackals of the wilderness. Okay. So that's going to speak to the, the, the even Edomites, right? Who was that? Tell you how, how much hate there was. When the Israel, let me take this thing through. When Israel was coming back from being attacked, wasn't that evil? They were looking at them and they were trying to get, I think I have to look at it. It's slipping me right now. I'm a little tired. But they were walking and they were being attacked. And I believe it was, I believe it was Esau's descendants, the Edomites, that were sat there and just left. And that was going to happen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the other The English, we've kind of did a horrible job of translating that. The Hebrew in it, what it actually means is you take it as an emotion and what's it as an emotion. What it really means is God chose Jacob, whereas in that sense, rejected Esau. So it wasn't that he hated him and did not love him or condemn him. is a word. Attributing human emotions to God. And it wasn't that at all. It was just that he picked Jacob. And because of that, Esau was rejected. But it has nothing to do with the emotion of love or faith. And that's, uh, she's, uh, she's studying a little bit. Yes, sir. She <laughs> no, no, no. She no, no, no. That's not, I mean, that's a, that's, yeah, that's, that's why that's you have one. to look at it. That's, good. That, that's why you have to look at it. As a national selection, yeah. yeah, you have to look at it. The the, um, uh, the Israel nation who chose it over the yeah, you can't you can't have you, you can't have God um, hating Esau to save you. Can't do that. Can't 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 have hate favor. Then you start messing with what? One of my favorite scriptures, what? John 3. John 3. Actions cannot nullify the elective purposes of God. All right? And one of these days, we're going to tackle all of election. Um, that's a, that's a, and I don't, I'm going to do a lot of prayer. I don't know what I'm going to do for you. But we're going we're to tackle election for a couple of days here. And then we'll see it. But one thing that you have to leave it. If you don't look at this with spiritual eyes, you 
and see how things. Now, this is very real. It, it literally, it literally seems unfair, right? We have to start with this: that a holy God cannot be unrighteous. We have to come to this, to this, this idea that His justice is right? If you don't come to that, and you have Him as a Greek God who gets mad, and you have him as a Greek God who gets mad and you mess up, and you're going to mad to the point. You know, and you understand that there are. Look, Jesus himself turned over some tables. His anger knows a perfect indignation. Perfect indignation. But 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 if you if, if you look at it, you, you've got to look at this and say that, that, that God himself, there's a perfect righteousness to it. And then you must work from that. You don't work from that, you're in trouble. Real quick. Well, now you jump in the lesson. Yeah. yeah, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll, we jump in the lesson. Yeah. yeah, we'll get there. But that is, that is good. That is good. In fact, that's what you say. So you need that. Unless it's a matter of grace. We talked about that, right? We all deserve to die. We've all talked about that, right? You get mad all you want to, but you could have ended this thing in the garden. Pharaoh was raised to reveal God's glory and power, and Moses was granted mercy to deliver his people. Yet both of them sinned. Right? We talked about that. Um, well, we, we've been studying that since yeah. Studying that with the youth. We're talking about with Moses. Look, Moses had all his, he had his problems. He was a murderer. Right? Yeah, Moses, he got, he, he has anger issues. How in the world does he get a chance to leave when Pharaoh gets a chance to be used, if you will? God, God saw him. And he talked about how he dealt with Look, he said in the beginning, I'm going to use Pharaoh. I'm going to use Egypt to show all of my glory. Again, solution is God's sovereign election. If God is sovereign, then who can resist his will? Let's, let's look at that real quick. That's a, another good question. Uh, 19 through 29. Well, let me, let me go back. If we're talking about he's a, a true, if he's truly righteous, God is holy and must punish sin, right? Yeah. I thought this is not mine. I, I can't take credit for this. Wiersbe says this. If all were saved, that would deny his holiness. Right. If all were lost, that would deny his love. Yep. I wish I had came up with that. That's That's good. That's good. That's good. Solution is God's sovereign, sovereign election. Let's look at God's justice again. We're looking at these attributes again. 19 through 29. And we'll just about close this thing out. 19 through 29. You will say to me then, why? Is there any questions with that in one passage? 14 through 18? I mean, it's pretty straightforward once you realize that God is a uh, his righteous, he's a righteous God. Alright? You will say to me then, why does he still find fault? Another good question. Alright? If I'm part of the elect, and some are not part of the elect, then why in the world would I would, would I get in trouble? Ever get in trouble? Alright? That's a, that's a good question. For who has resisted his will? But indeed, oh man, this is, this is going to be some of what you're talking about, man. But indeed, O oh man, who are you to reply against God? Will the same form say to him who formed it, Why have you made me like this? Does not the potter have power over the clay, from the same lump to make one vessel for honor and another for dishonor? What if God, wanting to show his wrath and make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? And then he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had prepared before hands of glory. Even us, whom he called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. As he says in where, Hosea, I will call them my people who were not my people, and her beloved who was not beloved. And it shall come to pass in the place where it was said to them, You are not my people. There they should be called sons of the living God. 27. Isaiah also cries out concerning Israel. 
Though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, the remnant will be saved. For he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness, because the Lord will make a short work upon the earth. And Isaiah said before, unless the Lord of Sabbath, um, that's the Lord God, had left us a seed, we would have become like Sodom, and we would have been made like um, the Lord. Okay. Let's, let's walk through this. Um, this thing I've been doing about six, seven years. Potter and Clay. We talked about this Sunday. Let's look at this analogy. It's, I think all of us can understand this. Clay sitting right there, right? Unformed. Does it have the opportunity to look back and say, I want you to form me like this? I want you to make me like a Greek god. I want you to make me like a Greek god. No. The clay just sits right there, right? And it's clay. Whatever the pot uses his hands to make. He can't say anything. He was better than what he was before. I'm sure before, right? That's the analogy of Jesus. And that's why I'm saying that. And, and, and you've got to be careful, though. Because I think sometimes as Christians, We've got people out there with real questions. And, 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 and we've not wrestled with it enough to be confident to, to, to walk them through or tell them, hey, I'll come back and let me give you some time to study and I'll come back. Most times we say, well, you know, just die, just does it. You've got to be careful with that. Yeah. yeah. All right, look, I have some young folks. I have some young folks. I don't know where they're at. I have some young folks downstairs. And I literally said, who? Who um, believes some stuff? And you can kind of see them working, and they're like, I could tell they didn't believe some of this and some of that. And I could have said, well, you know, you better on all this, but no. We've all wrestled with some stuff before. And we've got to allow folks to wrestle. And if they've got some questions for us, then we should be able to answer some of those questions. Or at least take them to somebody who can answer the question. Yeah. Or tell them, look, let me study and come back. All right? Now, with that being said, there's going to be some time I'm going to tell you, look, that's the Lord's will. That's finally the best what Paul said. Paul said, I will. When it's all said and done, we're all flat. <laughs> but he's the pot. And he made some vessels, if you understand, if you understand some degree, some of the vessels were made to be pretty vessels. Some of the vessels were made to, in this sense, to, to be vessels that were used for bathroom. And that one that's in the bathroom that's used for waste, it can't say you did, you did wrong. Yes, Couldn't you say to that that's the third person of the Trinity working on that person? I mean, you don't even you don't have the ability or the heart to believe or think without God freeing their heart to know we need a savior, to know that we're out of, you know, the step. I think it's the most important one I'm trying to ask. It seems to me that. Except the spirit draw him. I don't think we even have the ability to quantify this. Believe that absolutely. Yeah. Yes, we cannot do it on our own. That's what. And when I said that, there's mercy and grace in the fact that you're part of the love. There's some parts that got look. There's some parts that were exposed. More scripture than you and I would ever have. Mm -hmm. There were there were some who literally were right there and they had Jesus right there with them. Some of y'all saying, "Well, Jesus was right here with me. I would have showed up." Those folks that saw miracles and watched the miracles. And then John, was it John? Right? They said this is a hard saying. No, no, there's absolutely some drama that has to be done before that. We we'll talk about it again. We are dead. Yes. Dead things don't, they don't respond. Dead things don't respond. 
There's no response from a dead. Um, God is wiser than he who determines if a man will be alone or failed. That is who are we to argue with God? God has his purposes. God endured Pharaoh. We talked about that. And Pharaoh fitted himself for destruction. I like the way wisdom does, does that. Alright? He's the one that wills himself into, into hell. Um, God has his purpose. All this is prophesied. We understand that when we talk about um, Hosea. And we talk about that. All this, um, a remnant of the Jews believed, and they were Gentiles before Paul of God. Alright? We know that Paul is is what? He, he, he's, he's, a, he's a proponent of the Gentiles. So he's, he ain't going to get out of this without throwing them in there. Right. Well, scripture does as well. That's, that's when you start talking about Hosea and all that. Right? We're going to study those, we're going to study those prophets, the minor and the major. We're going to kind of um, see how some of that, uh, a lot of that, all that, a lot of that foreshadows, foreshadows to where, where Paul's in there right now, and some of them have been happened yet, right? Grace of God allowed the Gentiles to be saved by way of way. That's the end of 19 to 29. Let's get this real quick. 30 through 33. And then we'll let you, let you get on out of here. <coughs> we'll make sure I don't want to show God want to show Okay. I think we covered that pretty good. Any questions on, on that part? Even us when we call them out of Jews, but also of the Gentiles. We realize we're Gentiles. Let's go ahead and go 30 through 33. I want to make sure I didn't, I didn't run over that too far. What shall we say then? The Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness of faith. But Israel, pursuing, pursuing the law of righteousness, has not attained to the law of righteousness. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith, but as it were, by the works of the law. For they stumbled at their stumbling stones. And as it, as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. Yes. Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Let's, uh, let's kind of chew, <coughs> chew on some of that for a few moments and then we'll, we'll end this thing. Um, let's, what he is saying in that, in that first part, he's saying, I had a group of folks who, who were doing all their, they were doing their best to work towards this righteousness. Right? And then I had another group who wasn't trying to work towards almost anything that could do. What he's, what he's saying. Is he saying what we've always we've been saying for the last nine, ten years? Because you can't work for that. This is going to be a law of works, and what is he going to do? He's going to let you go in and work your way. He's going to let you work your way. And then once you once you go under the law, it only takes one strike. One strike. Right? This is done deal. And we use this example. If you can somehow get get perfect from this point on, you still have to do something that will mess up in the last 35 years. If you can get a perfect machine from this point on, you still have to do We're now talking about a law of righteousness. If you do. Then, that's what the Gentiles, we're using this in this analogy of Gentiles, then you can see eternal salvation. Because the righteousness is not your righteousness. Right? If you say it over and over, you're in Christ. You're in Christ. Well, in Christ, you see, you see. Israel looks for righteousness, lost it. Gentiles not looking for it found. Right? Uh, let's talk about this, this stone business real quick. Again, it was supposed to be, Christ was supposed to be a foundation stone. Right? I don't know. Do we have the the foundation stone identified for this for this cornerstone? The cornerstone for this place. Every building, and I, I'm not an architect, but every building has what they call a cornerstone, foundation stone, right? Symbolically and in some sense, actually, right? 
Christ was supposed to be that one stone that kept everything in place. But because they did not, uh, because they did not understand it, it became what? Stumbling. A stumbling block. It became the stone that crushed them. That's all that means. He was supposed to be there. He was supposed to be that cornerstone. He's supposed to be the cornerstone in our life. If you don't live a righteous life, then that becomes the stone that literally should be the downfall. Israel fell on that stone, verse rising on. We are saved by grace. Let's end it with this. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. Somebody get that real quick. We are saved by grace, not by works. Israel, sum this up, Israel's rejection of Christ does not deny his faithfulness. Did you get it? Okay. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, and then we'll pray. Somebody have it? For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself is the gift of God, not of work, but the one to go first. God, we thank you. We thank you for the opportunity to study this, God. We thank you for those that have it on their hearts to, to come and chew on and work through these scriptures, Father God. And so we just pray that as a church that we can continue to grow in your word, Father God. We, we thank you for how you continue to grow this grow this circle, Father God. And we thank you for what you're doing through the study of your word in this place. So again, bless us out. God bless all those that are here. We're praying, traveling, grace, and command. God bless all the households that are right now. Until we meet again, Father God, we pray that you just continue to watch over us. So, in the sunset, we ask this. Amen. Thank you all. Amen. Amen.